You're listening to the Modern Producer Podcast, expert talk on livestock housing and animal husbandry. Get ready for today's episode. Well, hey guys, uh, welcome to today's version or uh, edition of the Modern Producer Podcast. Uh, Tim Kerbis here as always. Um, just uh, introducing, actually, not, I'm going to sit back uh, and listen in on this one more than anything. We're going to let... Um, Ben Cochran from our South Dakota offices have a conversation with uh, um, uh, with a well, I guess a kind of a, a friend of ours, a friend of his. There's a unique connection. Uh, I'll let those two get into it. Um, so I won't I won't take too much time. I just uh, making the introductions. Ben's going to be hosting today. I'm going to be listening, and and a, a gentleman by the name of Andrew Howerton from Missouri is going to be participating. <laughs> And we're going to see if we can do it right this time because this is our second take as our uh, <laughs> soundboard guy happened to uh, forget to record the first time we started this out. So with that being said, uh, I'm going to let Ben take it away. All right. So this is exciting for me. First time here doing this, but uh, kind of a fun deal. Um, yeah. So I've got Andy on the line or Andrew on the line here with us. Um Andrew, if you would, just uh, let's do this again for the first time. We'll just pretend the first time never happened. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good to be with you guys. So, um, so yeah, I'm part of uh, Reliance Fork, and we are about uh, we're about an hour south of Kansas City on the on the Missouri side here. And uh, I grew up. I'm part of the the seventh generation uh, of Howertons to, uh, to to be on the farm. So I grew up there with, with three other siblings. We were uh, homeschooled and worked a lot growing up, uh, homeschooled for a while, then uh, tried to get civilized and go to uh, public school a little later on. But anyway, um, yeah, we grew up on a 1,100-style on a uh, uh, unit, uh, basically uh, fair to finish there. And um, that was kind of uh, my upbringing, um, there in West Central Missouri. So, uh, went to went to college uh, down in Branson, uh, Missouri, a little place called College of the Ozark. Got to play a little bit of baseball there, which is good. Um, went on from there and did some. There wasn't really a. We can get into this later, perhaps. There wasn't a whole lot of opportunity or, or space to come back at the time, and uh, went off and did some sales and sales management uh, outside of the ag industry. Uh, got a degree in business whenever I was at college. Um, and then uh, about three years ago, I uh, had an opportunity to uh, come back to the uh, to the family farm and been back uh, ever since. So um, we're back here. I got a wife and uh, four little boys. And uh, again, part of the, I'm part of the seventh generation. We got the eighth generation uh, right behind me. Awesome. I didn't realize you had four kids. That's That's what I got too. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, busy guy. Boys everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely, they're all seven, uh, seven and under. So uh, it's definitely a busy time. Oh, I feel you. My oldest is just turned nine in September, so I feel you all too yeah. well. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, uh, what's your role there at Reliance Pork? Yeah, so my title is production manager, and uh, role wise. Uh, it pretty pretty well boils down to uh, striving striving for results. You know, knowing uh, knowing the the target and going after it, and you know all of that is mainly controlled by uh, taking care of the people, managing the people, uh, you know everything that goes into 
uh, good management or, or striving for good management. Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of the, the the gist of it. Like whenever I got into it, um, our, our consultant we we uh, we worked a lot with uh, a gentleman named Ron Ketchum. A lot of people probably listening probably know that. But he said, you know, your your number one task is take care of the people. You know, that's kind of the the eighty twenty rule. The 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 pigs are somewhat the, the easy part. Just make sure you you take care of the people. Make sure you establish um, expectations you want and. Um, make sure you uh, get things going in the right direction with with your people. So I, I took that part and focused on that, and uh, he's been uh, he's been right on with that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's such a great way to go about it. Um, so for those of the those that are listening that aren't familiar, um, Andrew and I went to school together at a school called College of the Ozarks in Point Lookout, Missouri. Um. As we think back to some of those times, obviously, I, I don't know if you would um, agree with this, but I would agree with this. Um, I, I still am in really, really um, good contact and close contact and good friends with a lot of the guys that I met there at CFO. Um, that being said, like, what kind of things did you take? For those people that aren't familiar, CFO is a school where you work uh, 15 hours a week to pay for your tuition. Um, it's a fantastic school, um, faith-based, um, and I just learned a lot of very, very, very valuable lessons there. So what kind of things, as we talk about CFO, because I think it's important to talk about, what kind of things did you take away from CFO your time there? Yeah, so um, the, the biggest thing, is, you know, there was definitely uh, broad-reaching uh, overarching thing that the, that the college stood for that obviously attracted me to the place. Just uh, like you said, they're, uh, they're more faith-based organization and that really appealed to me. Um, and, you know, they got their five-fold mission and, um, you know, striving to do things with through, through the, the lens of the vision of the head, the heart, and the hands. And um, obviously they have a organizationally, it just makes, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, hey, work hard, and we're going to uh, help you with your tuition. That's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the specific things are what kind of come away from me. So, for instance, you know, whenever I went there, uh, and I, I think they still have it, they have orientation program there um, called Care to Camp. And mm-hmm. I remember you being a leader when I was first coming into that, <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, being kind of an upper classman compared to me. But um, but basically, once I got to be you know uh, sophomore, junior approaching upper class uh they allowed me i I applied to something like that and got to be a leader within the orientation program so you get to lead all the incoming students who were coming into college and you know there was a lot of there's a lot of good things that came from that it wasn't you know to be to be totally blunt like i was it was kind of a leadership situation and it wasn't really uh the most fun thing for me coming right out of that Mm -hmm. and what i've learned since then um I've studied more of like personality types and what mine is and, you know, how it fits with all this stuff. And, you know, I, I'm pretty familiar with, I don't know if you guys or people listening are familiar with the, the disc assessment, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm more of what they call, a, you know, there's D's who are decisive and dominant. There's I's who are like more of the life of the party. And then there's S's and C's, which that's more in, in my category, but the S's and C's usually are, if you're an SC, usually you're, you're very uh, analytical and you're usually, um, very much conscientious of other people's feelings and all that. So anyway, 
we kind of wear a heavy burden at times of like how other people are responding to us and mm-hmm. probably care, care, uh, probably a little too much at times about you know, people's feelings. But long story short, where I'm, where I'm going with that is I, I realized early on that there's, um, there's a, a, a burden, there's a weight, there's a, a, a to the responsibility of, of taking care of people. And, uh, you don't always reach the benefits and the rewards of that, uh, really early on. But as you go on through time, you realize, you know, all these relationships that you've established that wouldn't have been there had you not, uh, had you not done the, the leadership, uh, engaged in leadership situations. And even, even people who, who oversee these programs who are not necessarily directly over them, but like they see that you're stepping up and doing other things and you have a different uh, connection level. So I guess what I'm saying is um, you realize early on that there's some things that benefit that, that pay off in a fruit flow that sometimes it takes a, a real long time right. for that to manifest itself. And there's a, there's definitely a, a weight and a uh, some somewhat of an uncomfortableness to the, early stages of early stages of that. So that's one of the big things I learned uh, about that. Um, I don't know how much information you want on that. I could go on and on, but the other, you know, specific things I would, I would point to is they do a really good job of within the work program. I mean, you have to, um, you have to fly to go work somewhere else. And I remember I got put in the cafeteria, which was a really uh, commonplace washing dishes. Um, but it seemed like almost everybody got out after their first semester. Well, right. here I was, <laughs> Second, sem- second semester, stuck in the cafeteria again, and I realized pretty quickly. Uh, and, you know, I played sports there. It seemed like a lot of times the athletes, you kind of got to go work somewhere better. That didn't happen for me. Oh, no. um, <laughs> and I quickly realized, okay, just because just because you have some giftings in whatever area it might be doesn't mean you're going to get anything handed to you. And realize, you know, I got to go fight for, fight for what I want to get. You know, what do I want to achieve? Where do I want to go work on this campus? So anyway, I remember I had a sweetmate who was working in the admissions office. And um, the other thing I've learned through that, you know, I, he kind of stuck his neck out there for me and I got into a pretty good workstation after that. Um, but to this day, I've never, uh, I've never gotten to work anywhere in life without uh, knowing somebody and having some kind of connection there. And, you know, I, I don't think the old saying does it quite justice where they say it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, from my experience, it's, it's definitely been an and solution to that. You got to do both. You got to you got to know people and you got to know some things. Uh, don't just rely on um, on knowing people. But anyway, those are uh, a few things. Of course, I got a lot of skills I developed because of the, the admissions workstation, being able to talk a lot with, with people and strangers. And uh, it, it was a great experience there. Yeah, I would I would echo that. Um it was a, I, I don't know if you know much, we won't spend too much more time on CIVO because I'm sure everybody's so interested in this, but, um, <laughs> for, for me, you know, like that time there was very, very difficult. I, uh, I've always been one, uh, my mom used to call me a maverick. Um, so I would be one that would push the envelope quite a bit. So, um, although I echo all the things you said, it's a, it's a wonderful place, a valuable, I've learned so many valuable lessons in my time there. Um, but, but it was a very difficult time as well, um, for me. And I had a lot of amazing people as we talk about who, you know, um, you know, there was a lot of people that were sticking up for me that knew me besides my long hair and huge beard and (laughs) propensity for loud music. Um, there was, yeah, there was a lot of people that that had my back and stuck up for me and saw the potential in me. And because of that, I am who I am today. So, um, I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that time there, even though it was a difficult time, it was, it was an amazing time as well. So thanks for sharing that. hundred percent. 
Absolutely. Um, so you graduated in business, correct? I heard you, as I understood correctly. Yeah, business, uh, economics, emphasis, minored in philosophy and religion. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, kind of a crazy <laughs> combo, right? <laughs> Yeah, not the not the usually the ones that go hand in hand, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, nothing ever. You never feel like you're doing anything quite uh, right. Everything feels like a little uh, tense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess my next question, my follow up question would be: So you you got your um, education in business. What uh, what did you do after college then? First couple of years. Yeah, so I graduated in 2009, which was about the, the worst time ever, besides probably the the Great Depression to graduate. Right. Um, jobs were just barely starting to come back, and it was a really, really rough time. So I remember trying to, I had a buddy down in uh, Bentonville area. I remember trying to get on at Walmart. He was working for Walmart or Sam's, one of the two. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that just wasn't really working out. My confidence was getting a little busted. And uh, I had another friend, again, going back to people we know, another friend who uh, I played. Uh, on the baseball team with there and he was working for a company called Mattress Firm out in uh, Las Vegas and you know they're a national company now but mm-hmm. anyway I got on with them and uh, never thought I would be uh, a mattress salesman I thought I would maybe get into sales um, but quickly realized that I enjoyed it and I wasn't that bad at it and uh, anyway just kind of moved up with that company and uh, you know, we, I started in Kansas City, went to Oklahoma City, Dallas, got to see a lot of different uh, things and, and meet a lot of good leaders. Um, it might be surprising that there's some, some really quality leadership within that uh, that, that, that industry, but there's uh, there's a, there's there's if you look for it. So I just you know gleaned what I could from the people that I came across and studied what those above me were doing. That mm-hmm. kind of got them into the positions they were in and just. Um, tried to move up the best I could. So, so anyway, um, so I worked for mattress firm for whatever, uh, three years worked into entry level management. Um, I then went on to do some other sales roles with another company or two, wanted to get back closer to home. So moved back, you know, a few hours from, from home doing sales and, um, worked for a couple different companies and it, it really didn't, uh, make my heart sing quite like, uh, like, uh, what I've been doing. So I was actually pursuing some entrepreneurial things, and that's when one of my old friends that got me into mattress firm called me back and said, Hey, uh, I got a position. I want you to head up uh, down here uh, in the corporate office. So went down to Houston, Texas and was there for a little while doing some management over sales. And that was incredibly valuable. Going back to what you said about Steve, like there's a lot of difficulty there. I mean, it was probably not probably it was by far the most stressful time in my life, mm-hmm. but I learned so much. And, you know, my, my friend put me into this, not, ready to go to do it but he knew i had the well he, he perceived i had the, the character and the gumption to just get it done which was probably pretty accurate but i had a lot to learn i did learn a lot um and that's been able to translate uh into what i'm currently doing surprisingly yeah i think that's it's those <laughs> it's those times of struggle and, and frustration especially when it comes to employment that make us who we are and make us better leaders and better employees and employers and all those different things that go with working in, especially in this business. Um, you know, it's, I, I, you know, me pretty well, you know how I like to treat customers and I wouldn't have, unless I worked all those other crappy jobs that I hated, but, um, they taught me so many valuable skills about how to make people feel 
appreciated and valuable and all those things that go into what's, what's hopefully making us successful and me successful in this business. So, um, I, I, for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't trade those for the world. And and I'll add to that a little bit. I don't think I've ever told you this specific of the story, but you know, whenever, you know, we first started, uh, using you guys a little bit, you know, obviously we're interacting and, and I'll be honest, I, I couldn't believe the level of, uh, not just trying to stroke your ego, but the level of helpfulness that you were, that you were giving. I was like, it, it just was not normal. And I still didn't at that point know that we had gotten to college together. I think we were only emailing it. Uh, every time I had something, if you didn't have it in stock, you were going to try to find it somewhere, fabricate it or do something. I'm just like, this guy is, is not normal in a good way. And uh, that's whenever I, I looked you up on Facebook. So I'm like, I got to find out who this person is. So this person is just not uh, your, your typical uh, person you deal with. So that's why I came across and found I was like, I, I noticed where you were living or whatever. I saw that we had the, the connection from college. I go, oh my goodness, that's, uh, that's the same guy. But anyway, that's kind of the backstory to that. Why I, how I even came across that I knew you was, um, was kind of tragedy. I, was, I guess Facebook stalking, trying to figure out who, who is an extremely helpful person. So. <laughs> well, that's good. Like I, you know, Tim thinks it's freaking hilarious. Cause like, for the longest time, I just didn't put two and two together. And then, yeah, you had emailed me and asked me straight up, you know, if I was that Ben Cochran, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. So we, <laughs> I still get a good kick out of it every time I think about it. And I know Tim does too. He just thinks I'm the biggest oh, you know, yeah. dits in the world. But small, small world. <laughs> it is. And uh, I was, you know, full well, I was ecstatic when I found out because I just, you know, any connection <laughs> I have to, to that time in my life in particular oh, yeah. is, is a good one. Um, oh, yeah. All right. So as we're, as we're moving forward here, um, just thinking about your transition from the business world, um, in back to the farm, obviously you had a great connection, you know, that's your family farm. I mean, that's, that's something that not all of us have, but, um, how, how was that transition for you? Was it tough? Was it, do you see a lot of similarities between the business world and the, and the ag world? Um, just expound on that a little bit, if you would. Yeah. Um, it was a the, the 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 short answer is there's a lot of overlap, a lot of you know working in sales and and uh, trying to influence um, customers to purchase something, or once you're in management and sales, pretty much management of sales or management of anything. If you're overseeing people, it's relatively the same. But mm-hmm. you know what worked really well was having had so many interactions with people and understanding some of the psychology of how people make decisions and all that, it really, it really voted well for, um, it really voted well for whenever I got into the role. I didn't start in the production manager role. I started in a fairing manager role and, you know, whenever, you know, there's 25 other people around you, uh, in our situation, it was a newer unit. Whenever I came back, we didn't, most of which wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, family, pretty much none of the family except for ownership there. So you, you kind of have a target on your back when you get back too, because you, you pretty well have to work twice as hard as about anybody right. else um, to, to kind of not earn your keep, but to establish the influence that you you need to have. So there was, you know, that's where some of the struggle came in was um, not that I wasn't willing to bust my tail, but it takes a little while to, to gain that influence. And um, so anyway, all that to say, it took... I think after, I think six months or so of coming back, that's uh, whenever the production manager that we had, 
moved on and did something else. And I, they, the, uh, my dad and uncle took a chance on me. Cause here I am, you know, I had a lot of management experience, but I didn't have a ton of in-depth uh, swine production knowledge. Mm-hmm. I grew up doing all the things that we, that, that kids do on farms growing up, but it wasn't all the in-depth stuff. So anyway, um, I had enough people skills and I worked hard enough and had enough God-given intelligence to be able to pick up what I needed to pick up in, in, in a quick enough time. And just, I just became a sponge trying to pick up as much as I could from everybody around me and uh, just try to keep all my best people that I, that I have on the farm, keep the good ones, you know, when we needed to make moves, tough moves and, um, and uh, grab new people. We did that. And, and, you know, uh, that's kind of a, probably conversation all in and of itself right there. But um, anyway, there was a lot, there's a lot of overlap between um, everything you pick up from a a psychology sense and just in the sales world and, um, and how how to influence people and, and, and all that stuff translates. Just make sure you use it the right way and you'll, you'll go, you can go far. Yeah. And I I watched that video you sent to you about, you know, working hard and, and making your work, even if it's a, something that seems menial and, and worthless in the scheme of things, doing it, doing it well. Um, you know, I think that that's something that <laughs> I think more and more producers are starting to understand as the years go on of just, you know, nothing is wasted and nothing is, and nobody is wasted, um, that everybody's important. And, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And one, I, one other thing that was kind of, um, odd or different about the industries is you know when you're working in sales or whatever you you pretty much have unlimited inventory and the the goal is you know generate as many sales as you can i say unlimited inventory pretty much unlimited inventory it's usually not a a long-standing concern um and all your focus and all your your best people are on the front lines of the sales world and this is a little bit different game here you know it's like the name of the game is efficiency and you know you uh, the, the price pretty well is what it is in our in our industry you don't really get to a whole lot of say in in that um, but the name of the game is how, how efficiently and effectively can you do that can you do that work and uh, there's definitely some overlap there but it's definitely a, a different thing whenever your um, your your focus goes into a hundred percent getting the right people who can do that job and do it over and over and over again uh, for you and be dependable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how did your family take the move? Yeah, good question. Um, uh, overall, well, um, you know, this, this is something coming back, coming back to the farm was something that uh, before I married my wife, we had discussed. I told her, hey, I don't know whether it's in, in three years or 30 years. Um, but at some point, uh, the plan is to be back on the farm is, is what, you know, I had said was my hope. And I was hoping that that was something she could, uh, was, was something that could excite her and that she could be, that she would want to be a part of. And, and sure enough, obviously she did. We, we got married and we didn't know what that time frame was going to look at. I think it, I think we were married probably six years, maybe seven before we ended up uh, coming back. But, Transition's been good. Um, I like to grew up in the city, Tulsa, um, so it's sometimes a little <laughs> challenging being out in the middle of nowhere. But um, we're about an hour. We're about an hour from Kansas City, so um, it, you know if she needs to get her get her fix uh, for some Starbucks or something, then uh, it's not too far away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's nice. I, I've I've 
I have uh, talked to my wife numerous times about moving out to the country, and we have quite a bit of reservations still with with that. Um, but we'll get there eventually. It's the same thing. Time frame is still up in the air, but um, just I, play the long game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a long game <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, as I was thinking, you know, I've always been jealous, a little bit jealous of. Uh, of people that grow up on the farm. And so I just think about my own boys and my own kids um, growing up on the farm. What kind of lessons do you think your kids are learning, your boys are learning being on the farm there um, all day, every day? Yeah. And that's one of the big reasons, reasons we wanted to move up here was that, that I wanted them to grow up the same way uh, I did because I didn't realize how weird it was until <laughs> I, I went away. <laughs> right, right. And then you realize just how weird, uh, how weird you were raised. Um, so they're still, um, you know, when I was their age, I was probably a little bit more in the mix than they are right now. You know, right with all the, we're way more biosecure now than we used to. And, yeah. um, you know, they're not in there quite as much at this point, but here, you know, here next year or two, my oldest is probably going to get in the mix uh, quite a bit more. And, you know, what, what to answer your question, um, you know, that the thing that I didn't realize had been filled in me until I left and, and just saw how weird I was. I, I perceive farm kids have that ability to um, not, it's not that the work is just so terrible that everything is uphill, but there's an element of like, it's, you, you learn how to do the job the right way, even though it's mundane and remedial, you're, whatever you're, you're uh, scraping crates or washing salve or whatever you're doing um, growing up. And you realize just uh, with any task that's presented to you that isn't very fun outside of the farm work, you typically just have that tendency of like, okay, I'm just going to commit. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. And um, that's not second nature for a lot of people. You know, it's like, well, let me find a way to skate around this or talk my way out of it or whatever it might be. And that's just not how, not how we were raised but how I think most farm kids are is it's uh it's hey, we we get the job done or else we don't eat. Uh and and that's uh and that's uh, pretty well how it was growing up is um, you know, pointing uh back to the scripture. I think there's a, a verse that says you don't don't work, you don't eat and uh that I don't know how many times I heard my mom drop that line. And, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, when we had when we had to get up and load hogs at five in the morning and we didn't want to, it's uh if we did it uh we did it anyway, and we didn't complain about it. We, we just got done. So it's the aspect of just not complaining, being thankful for what you got, um, uh, thinking through things, knowing the danger in things. I mean, you grow up on a farm, you're always conscious of, you know, there's things right on the corner all the time that, you know, could, in all honesty, end your life. And, you know, whether it's a, uh, a sweep auger or whatever else, you're always on, on uh, watching yourself. So just having that awareness as well, just a general awareness of your surroundings and, um, uh, picking up on on uh, potential problem type things that, that's translated really well uh, to other industries that I've that I've worked with in. It's good. Yeah, that's a. I just I I think back like I didn't learn a lot of those same things until I was at CFO, you know, and so that's where I kind of I always am jealous of a little bit of the leg up that you guys have grown up on the farm. So, um, for sure, yeah. Uh, so I guess I'm sitting here thinking like, what does a, what does a normal day look like for you? Like start to finish. I think that's interesting for some people. Yeah. So my job, you know, doesn't look like most people's in the barn being you know, the production manager and then you're overseeing 
you know, I oversee um, my assistant manager who, who also oversees gestation. Then I have a, a, a caring manager that reports directly to me and then several office staff. Um, so I'm pretty well interacting. 80% of my time is spent either with them or on uh, studying data or metrics or pounding out emails for communication that's not urgent, important. You know, I try to, there's so much going on in a barn. I try to save communication that is urgent, important for either, you know, in-person conversation or text or something like that. We all, we use internal uh, methods for communication. And then also, um, of course, the, the stuff that can wait a little bit, I'll try to email that so they have some time to, uh, to, to wait on that. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's the bulk of, of my time. And, and, you know, uh, it was, Ken Blanchard, uh, the management guru, I think he was in on One Minute Manager, said, you know, make sure when you get to your work every morning, make sure you're, um, make sure you're saying hey to everybody in your in your uh, in your downline there. So just making sure to make that effort to, um, you know, unit. We're about 5,600 5, on our unit. Like um, you could easily go for hours upon hours upon hours not seeing people if you didn't make the effort to do it. So um, getting out there, making sure that you. Uh, touch base with everybody, take everybody's temperature, make sure there's no uh, fires to put out, uh, be an encourager uh, as, as, as much as you, you can there and, um, you know, catch people doing the right thing. So hmm. that's, uh, that's what I, I try to do. Um, you know, we, as far as the weekly on the weekly, we, that's kind of a daily thing on the, on the weekly. We, we have a, a leadership meeting every week. We get the leadership crew together and we, we, we break down kind of a tactical approach for uh, the week. And then uh, I also provide some kind of leadership content uh, to them. We might watch a video or whatever it might be and go over something that can hopefully develop, uh, develop them because they're overseeing people. They need to have all those skills and those tools that um, a lot of which I was able to grab at my, my previous job and some of them in my current one, obviously, but you know, everybody needs some food, uh, you know, proverbial food there to, to grow there. So provide that for them. And we also do a similar thing for the rest of our employees. Once a week, we have an all staff meeting. Uh, we stop everything and uh, we provide some motivational content and just uh, general, uh, you know, how's the farm doing? What are the numbers looking like? What what everyone need to expect? So anyway, that, those are the kind of things. I'm, a lot of times I'm preparing for meetings that, that, you know, a good meeting, a good meeting doesn't happen uh, by accident. It, right. it definitely takes uh, proper preparation and planning and, a lot of people think meetings are, are worthless. Um, that's definitely not how I see them. Um, a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings are, do not carry a lot of value, but they should and they can. And uh, we, I work really hard on making sure that uh, those hopefully have an impact on our people. Yeah, and helping people see the bigger picture that it's not just about working at the farm. That you're you're preparing them and helping them become better employees if they do move on in the future, or you know better spouses or whatever else there's so many things that come with that so that's that's good that you guys are doing that i think it's it's more than valuable <laughs> it's something that 100 uh, percent. yeah and, and we just try, try, try to tie it back to you know our mission statement is we, it starts with it, it goes beyond this but it starts with you know we want to honor god by doing an ordinary job in an extraordinary way mm-hmm. and we just tie everything back to that you know what whatever it is whatever decision we got to make what you know it's, it's, if we can tie it back to that, it makes life so much easier and it's uh, life-giving and um, it's, it's worthwhile for us, Good. I think. Yeah. And like I said, I, 
I think it's great. And I wish, and I think we're starting to see more and more of that, that, you know, people aren't robots, you know, they're not just going to do what they're told all the time. I mean, they will, but they're going to hate you for it. And so you have to like, (laughs) you have to treat them like actual people, you know, valuable and worthwhile. So that's good. I I think there's nothing but benefits from all that kind of stuff. So it's good. You guys are doing that. Um, I, you know, this is kind of how you and I started working together, um, with, you know, obviously I work for you more than anything, but, um, the, is providing parts for the need app, uh, system. Um, I'm just curious, how long have you guys had the need app system in your barn there? And, uh, how does, how has that transition gone for you? Yeah, we've had it, uh, we've had it since about 20, yeah, whenever the barn finished up, uh, up to year 20. 17 was when we uh, first started weaning. So, so we've been working with it for about three years now and, uh, it's been working well. It's, um, it's, uh, it, it takes a little bit of time to get it set up and get the systems and, you know, you, you better know some general to intermediate software and computer type, uh, knowledge there to be able to, and just know systems, just understand how a system works. If you, if you can get behind, kind of have those two things together, um, and and focus on, hey, how can this how can this work for me rather than, um, hey, I feel like this thing's working against me. Right. If you keep the right attitude, it's, it's really an attitude thing with with that system and making sure you got it uh, working. But it, it's it's worked well for us. We uh, we had some hiccups there early on, uh, kind of prior to my time getting into production manager role but you know i i just had confidence in the system i, I think that's just kind of how i am i kind of just trust things until they show me they shouldn't be trusted right. i guess system i'll trust you for some people the other way around that just is what it is but um i trusted that there was a reason we we bought the system and there's a uh, if it works somewhere else it's got to work here and sure enough it's uh, it's helped us make things pretty efficient not having a traded system there Right. Yeah. I know that, you know, that's one thing we always tell guys when they are first getting into it is it's, it's a huge learning curve. Um, you know, but if you're patient and if you, like, like you said, if you have a good attitude about it, it's, I, you know, beyond having pigs outside running free, I don't see anything better than it. And, you know, I, I stand behind that. I think it's a great thing. And that's why I ask, cause I'm always curious to see how guys respond to it. What did you guys do before? Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, before that, we, uh, you know, we were, we pretty much went from 1,100,000, uh, then we kind of, we changed a little bit of, w- of the way that we were producing at our, quote unquote, our, our historic farm, and then added this one. So, uh, we, you know, we were all created and uh, previously, and then moved in basically about quadrupled our size or more um, with this new one. So it, it, I pretty much, you know, whenever I was working on the farm previously in the old traded barn, I was young enough. That I was doing things like, you know, scraping crates and doing all that, that kind of thing, hanging cards and doing all that stuff. So I didn't really, I didn't really have to unlearn a whole lot or know just how different it was. I just kind of embraced the new system and that probably was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, for sure. Um, Tim, do you have anything you want to add? Um, not specifically. I've been just enjoying listening to this conversation, so it's okay that I don't have too much. I don't know. Is there anything? Um, uh, I, I 
I'm not at a loss for words. I just don't, uh, I don't know that I have any specific questions. I don't know. Is there anything else, Andrew, that you wanted to bring up? Stroke Ben's ego more or anything like Please that? Please don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> it's good always to hear that, uh, that we're uh, getting that kind of, uh, um, uh, uh, view or response out there that we're actually doing what we, uh, what we, uh, really would like to see have happened to us i guess we always uh, um just approach it this way is that we would we we approach our customers in the way that we would want to be approached do unto others and all that um in in a different way of saying it and it's the same way we also look at at how we support people how we actually design facilities even is if we wouldn't buy it we won't sell it kind of thing but uh i guess i'll I'll just use that as a as an opening andrew is there anything else that you you feel would be a good addition to this uh rundown and conversation yeah um you know i i wouldn't mind uh i don't know if we're live right now but i wouldn't mind talking about some of the um, some of the, uh, whether it be management books or just some of the stuff that I picked up that I wish one might've instilled in me a little bit earlier. Um, just like, um, some resources for, um, leading people and all that stuff. I don't know if that fits with what you guys are. Oh, hey, no, we'd love to, we'd love to hear it, uh, if, if there's things that, uh, advice is, uh, something that, uh, I might not be the best listener, but. Trust me, I do listen or, or hear more than I might seem to. So, yeah, go ahead. Like, what, what stuff has helped you? Uh, um, you and Ben both uh, are, are a bit younger than I am, but uh, uh, taking different paths through schooling and everything. So what, what would you put out there for, for up-and-coming people who are taking leadership roles? Yeah, so... Um, so leadership role wise, I, I, I think if I, if I heard you right, you mentioned something about uh, listening better. If I heard you right, and, um, <laughs> you heard me right. It <laughs> if I was listening correctly, um, but um, you know, this goes back to mattress from mattress from days. Some of the brightest people I saw around there all revert back to, to one book, and it's really hard to digest the whole thing. Uh, and, and a lot of people kind of skim through it once and say, yeah, I've read it. Um, but um, Seven Habits of, of Highly Effective People, I've, I don't know if I've come across a more helpful book um, in, in many, many regards, but especially as it relates back to listening to people. And I perceive that the author wrote it in a way that is uh, with, with mainly or seemingly with proper intentions. You know, you can you can you can use all these methods for uh for for ill gain or whatever it might be but uh manipulation whatever it might be but um you can also use it to to bless people and to um to do to do right by people so anyway in that one example they talk about um just different stages of listening and there's there's you know passive listening where someone's talking to you and it's just kind of like yeah 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 and then the last stage it goes through the stages but is empathic listening and that's when you're really diving in like someone's talking to you and you're intentionally going about it by even restating what you heard them saying and this is especially important in a situation where uh a tough conversation or when tempers are flaring and you got two sides that are just going at it um 
having that ability to step back and because almost all you can think about is your side and your point and whatever it might be, but that ability to stop and say, Hey, here, here's what I hear you saying. And the value in that is that you can tell somebody, Hey, I understand. I understand without actually agreeing with them. And that's something that I didn't really realize. I thought if I told somebody, Hey, I understand what you're saying. That probably meant I'm agreeing and they may hear it that way, but that's, that's, their own fault i guess but um there's a lot of value in saying hey here's what i hear you saying yes that's what i'm saying okay i understand i'm still over here with whatever it might be but showing somebody if you can prove to them and the way you prove them is restate what they said if you can prove to them that you've actually listened to them it it tears down so many walls and, and has been uh infinitely valuable for me and my team as we're trying to work through things because there's uh, infinite number of things that you could disagree with with people uh, in a in a uh, you know, thirty person hog bar and all confined together. There's a lot that can that can happen there. So anyway, that's that's one thing on on that front there. Just um, quickly, and then uh, just a couple uh, other breaks. If I could on, on that, that one, uh, if I could interrupt for a sec just on that one, and not not to be rude, I just actually want to follow up on something you you'd mentioned the empathic listening. Um, and and do you feel um, that that your uh, position on the disc profile? And yes, we've uh, looked at those ourselves here, uh, but you had mentioned that earlier. The um, the disc profile, your position as an SC or a CS, does that? Do you think that helps in that regard with empathic listening, or is that something that you feel that perhaps everybody could, with practice, um, get there? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think naturally it probably does lend better. I think an SC, you know, we all have our strengths, right? And, you know, I'm terrible at making decisions. Like, I have to, like, really force myself to make decisions. That's where I'm weak. Where I'm probably strong is probably to some degree where you're, what you're saying there is that ability to analyze, break it down. Hey, here's what I heard you saying, da 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 And someone who's more of a D, decisive, dominant, yeah, and – I haven't ever, um, you know, I've got a, a manager on my, my team who I haven't had him tested, but I'm almost positive he's, he's a D, fantastic leader. Um, and that's probably one of his biggest struggles, but he embraces it and it works for him. Um, it's just probably a, a harder challenge for him, where, whereas he can make a decision with no problem and move on. I'm sitting there kind of waffling back and forth. Um, but he's got to force himself to slow down a little bit whenever it comes to those conversations. But it still works for him. Like it, it's effective, uh, nonetheless. So it's just finding that way to kind of uh, round out your wheel. There is kind of how I see it. Sure. And and just to let you carry on, then you were going to add something to it. So I apologize for. I just wanted to, uh, you know. Oh yeah, um, and, and I know. Yeah, this is this is the stuff that really you know grinds my gears, gets me excited. But but I won't spend too much time on it unless you guys have any follow ups. But a couple of fantastic resources that. Um, I've never ha- found somebody who, who read uh, this book and didn't benefit tremendously. Uh, Extreme Ownership uh, by a, guy, a Navy SEAL, named, and I guess two Navy SEALs, but Jocko Willink is kind of the more well-known one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, just focuses on taking ownership for pretty well everything in your life. And I, I always felt like I avoided the victim card and was very much took a lot of responsibility. Until I read that book, I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm, I'm not taking enough ownership for, for everything, really. And uh, that was extremely helpful and helped me avoid pitfalls of, of victim-type 
uh, mentality when, when it didn't need to be there. Don't get me wrong, there are real victims in the world, but don't get me saying that, but there's, uh, there's definitely situations where we think we're victims, but we're not. And that, uh, that's a very, uh, very well written, uh, book on that. Last one that helped me tremendously. And then you hit on something earlier. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Uh, basically, you said people aren't robots and you can't force them to do anything, right. especially with us millennials. Uh, I fall into the millennial category. We, we kind of uh, have a different model set for us. But uh, a book called uh, Boundaries uh, by Dr. Henry Cloud. And I heard that recommended by Dave Ramsey. He's got a, a whole platform for leadership called Entree Leadership that's, in my opinion, fantastic. But uh, Boundaries just focuses on I was, I was kind of a people pleaser by nature growing up and you know to this day it's, it's kind of second nature to me but um, boundaries really helped me understand that basically you know set your expectation with people and then just just follow through with that and you can't control the outcome if people don't act the way you want them to um, that's okay it may hurt it may feel whatever it feels like um, but that's not your fault and, and you can't be held responsible for for the way everybody uh, acts in turn, especially when you're managing people. And uh, you say, you know, what was life giving to me was realizing, Hey, uh, Tommy, uh, here's the expectation. Here's what we expect. Here's why, you know, can you see how that aligns with our mission? Yes, yes, yes. And then, Hey, can you get behind that? And um, their actions will show if they have, you know, assuming they say, yes, I'm, I'll get behind that. Um, but their actions will show, show if we get behind that. But once you set that standard, um, it's, it's, it's not a big deal if it doesn't work out. Like, like you don't want good people to leave, but there's some people that in your organization that do need to go. Um, and it's a matter of um, realizing it's not the end of the world and then knowing how to uh, distinguish the emotion from just the facts of the situation. And uh, that was really life-giving uh, for me is, is getting into – um, how to set proper boundaries, and then uh, if it's not the right place for a person to be, it's just not the right place, and that's not necessarily wrong. Yeah, I like that. That's actually a good, well-rounded list. I think actually just listening to you go through those, and and uh, I know Ben's been taking notes, but I think what we'll probably do is a follow-up blog, some sort of taking ownership blog, where we might have some follow-up questions, or we can actually expand a little bit on those books and and give people those resources in a printed uh, uh, context, just so they can reference them easier and and look them up. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a great list and something I might even follow up with a bit. So I know we have to uh, be Absolutely. respectful of, of your time. So I'm going to probably just uh, wrap here right now anyway, as it seems like a good place. Appreciate you do uh, taking the time. Um, and I'll just uh, uh, forgive me. I've got the microphone. So I, I feel I should always, you know, at least plug us a bit. Uh, this is the Modern Producer podcast, but it is a new standard that that allows us to to do this. And uh, and uh with new standard again, I think I say this on, on more podcasts, but we wouldn't be who we are without the customers like Andrew. So it, we, we really appreciate it. And, and personally, I appreciate the feedback that, uh, that you gave us, Andrew, uh, on, on how Ben is doing. I, I love to hear that sort of stuff. I've, I've told guys that's what it is, but sometimes hearing other people say it, it's, it's kind of, uh, nice to hear that. And as one other quick follow up, if anybody's listening and has ideas of things 
they'd like us to talk about, people that we should maybe have a conversation with or just some sort of uh, topic or or anything in general, feel free free to reach out to us uh, in some way or for, uh, shape or form and uh, let us know. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, and so with that, Andrew, again, uh, much appreciated. We'll let you get back on with your, uh, I don't know if you've got, if you voted today or not. Uh, I'm, I'm time stamping this one very clearly because I'm mentioning <laughs> that. But uh, today is election day. So we'll, uh, uh, we'll let, uh, let you get back to whatever you've got planned for today. And, uh, and uh, again, thanks a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I gotta let the watch the kids here and let the wife go uh, cast your ballot here. So I appreciate uh, appreciate uh, you guys, everything you do, and thanks for letting me come on today. Yeah, thanks, Andrew.